Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 1. We'll begin there, Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 10. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. It reads that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we bless you and we are grateful for the measure of health that you've granted to us to be in church this morning. Please fill us with your Holy Spirit. Teach us, please guide us, encourage us, challenge us to give our all to you in the name of Jesus Christ we ask and pray amen over the course of the year our theme has been a passion for Jesus Christ based on Philippians 1:21 where the apostle Paul said for me to live in is Christ and to die is gain. And we have tried uh, uh, to uh, practically flesh out this theme uh, from month to month and answering the question, how can you and I live with passion for Jesus Christ? You might recall we began at the beginning of the year by focusing upon a passion for Christ means that I have a passion to know Jesus Christ, to know him more intimately, to know him more personally, that I might know him, said the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. A passion to know Jesus Christ, that's where we began. And during this month, we have emphasised last but not least a passion for Jesus Christ means that I am passionate about seeing Jesus Christ in all the scriptures that Jesus Christ is central to the scriptures from Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation Jesus Christ is the star he is the emphasis he is the focus. Jesus Christ is at the centre of the Scriptures. And this is a reminder to you and I that Jesus Christ needs to be central at the heart of your life, at the heart of my life. For the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the centrality of Jesus Christ in and through various dispensations dispensations spelled out throughout the scriptures the word dispensation is mentioned four times in the new testament 
And as a way of reminder, a dispensation is an age or it's a period of time. Uh, We sometimes use the word stage, going through a stage. We make reference to an age or a period of time. A dispensation is uh, an age or a period of time in which God chooses to work either through a individual or through a people group in order to accomplish his will. For God works from and for eternity. Now our text here in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 affirms the centrality of Jesus Christ within the dispensations of time. Note the wording here in verse 10, that in the dispensations of the fullness of times, plural, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on the earth, even in him. So we see here that the Apostle Paul makes reference to the dispensation of times coming together with Jesus Christ being the focus. So we see within the Scriptures Jesus Christ from Genesis all the way through to the book of Revelation. And as we study the different ages or the different periods of time, Within the scriptures, we will see either Jesus Christ portrayed, uh, uh, pictured, prophesied, uh, because all roads lead back to Jesus Christ. Because he is at the heart of the scriptures and he should be at your heart. He should be central in your life, my life. Thus far, we've noted four main dispensations or periods of time in which God worked. We noted the uh, dispensation of innocence that uh, began in the Garden of Eden, where God worked through Adam and Eve. And because of the fall, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And that opened up a new period of time known as the dispensation of conscience where man was aware of right and wrong and man made choices to either do right or to do wrong. And unfortunately man chose to do wrong to the extent that God said, I've had enough. I'm going to destroy all living things off the face of the earth by a flood. And that took us from Genesis 4 uh, uh, to, to Genesis chapter 6. And uh, we, we, we noted that God spared Noah and God spared his family. And, th- and then we have further details there concerning the flood. And then we, we note there in Genesis chapter 9 that God uh, uh, tells Noah... Uh, post-flood to go and be fruitful and to multiply. And we see a new dispensation. We move from the Garden of Eden to outside of the Garden of Eden. 
and the next dispensation ends with a, a universal flood. And then uh, God said to Noah in leaving the ark, be fruitful, replenish the earth. But the exact opposite took place. Man decided to stay in the one place. And, and we noted the, that within this period of time, the introduction of cities and kingdoms and government, that man failed to allow God to govern uh, their lives. And as a result, God confused their language, as the Bible teaches us. And, and no longer was, all, uh, was everybody uh, speaking one language. There were many languages, and that forced a dispersing, a scattering. And this brought to an end this dispensation of government, the introduction of cities, kingdoms, government. And that led us to Genesis chapter 12, which we have the unique promise given to Abraham. Abraham uh, was promised that he would become, that from his loins, a Gentile originally, from his loins will come a nation known as the Hebrew people. And this nation will be a blessing to the four corners of the earth. And we know that's in reference to the promise of a saviour. So we see from Genesis chapter 12, the patriarchs. We read of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, his 12 sons. And this takes us to the end of the book of Genesis. So this period of time, the uh, dispensation of promise, where God promised a saviour for the world uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. For Jesus said to that Samaritan woman, salvation is of the Jews. God has provided salvation in and through the nation of Israel. And as I've said in the past, I'll say it again, anti-Semitism is anti-Christianity. Anti-Semitism is anti-Christianity. That's the bottom line because our roots are within Judaism and God provided a saviour through the nation of Israel. And God promised this Saviour to come through the loins of Abraham. So we have this dispensation of promise encompassing the patriarchs. So thus far, we have noted four main periods of time where God worked in a unique way. And now we uh, come to the book of Exodus. Exodus. And from the book of Exodus, if you would turn there with me, please, to Exodus chapter 1. From Exodus all the way through, technically to the end of the Gospels, we have the next period of time that focuses upon the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel. Note there in Exodus chapter 1. This next dispensation is known as uh, Israel's age. And um, uh, we note here in Exodus chapter 1, please, verses 5 to 7, it reads, And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob 
were 70 souls. So, so when Joseph invited Jacob to bring the family to Egypt, there was a total of 70. Not much of a nation at that point. But the seed was there. And God promised that from the loins of Abraham will, will be, will become, will, he will build a great nation. Then note then verse 6 it reads, And Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. Then note verse 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. So we see over a period of some 400 years that God, uh, from 70, God built a nation. Just as God had promised that from the loins of Abraham that God will build a nation. And from this nation he will provide a saviour. So from when Israel grew into a nation to the time of her rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah. This takes us from Exodus all the way through to the end of the Old Testament and leads us into the Gospels where Jesus Christ is formally rejected as the Messiah, their promised Saviour. And as we read this morning in John chapter 1, Verse number 11, he came unto his own, that's in reference to Israel, he came unto his own and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on his name. So Israel's age encompasses the rest of the Old Testament and it climaxes there in the Gospels where Jesus Christ is formally, for a better word, officially rejected as their Messiah, their Saviour. This is that next period of time. And as we study through the Old Testament, uh, we can note passages like Exodus chapter 14, please. Go back to uh, Exodus once again, chapter 14 this time. And note there in verses 30 and 31, where God demonstrates his power in delivering the nation of Israel, now a great nation, out of Egypt and from under the hand of Pharaoh. Note there in Exodus chapter 14, verses 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. 
But as we read on in the book of Exodus and, and read on into the pages of the Old Testament, we see that was short-lived. That was very short-lived. They believed in the Lord and, 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 and believed and followed their leadership. Unfortunately, that was short-lived. Nevertheless, God gave God's people what was needful to honour their Creator, to honour their Lord, to honour their God. We note there in Exodus chapter 20, the giving of the Ten Commandments, the basis of, of law and order there in, Genesis, in Exodus chapter 20. And then from Exodus chapter 20 to 25, God expands, He expounds on that, on those Ten Commandments. Then from chapters 25 of the book of Exodus until the end of the book, uh, God teaches his people, this is how you can worship me. This is how you can worship me in spirit and in truth. The nation of Israel was given the privilege of being custodians of God's word. The Old Testament scriptures were written during this time, during this dispensation, and many of its prophecies um, uh, that take, take us all the way through into the eternal realm. Note what the Apostle Paul said there in Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Pardon me, Romans chapter 3 verse 2. Romans chapter 3 verse 2. It reads, much every way, chiefly because that unto them, in reference to Israel, were committed the oracles of God. So the nation of Israel became the custodians of the Old Testament scriptures. God in his providence and in his grace uh, led uh, prophets of old to inscribe his word for God's people. So over a period of some 1,500 years, we read through the pages of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way through until the end of the book of Malachi. We read of God's people being led through the wilderness we read of God's people conquering the land of Canaan. We read of God's people being ruled by judges and kings. And we also read of God's people being ruled by Gentile nations of which Jesus Christ described this as the times of the Gentiles in Luke chapter 21, verse 24. And this time will conclude in Israel's history when our Lord establishes his millennial kingdom and reigns from the throne of David. We note there in Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse number 6.
Acts chapter 1, verse number 6. It reads, When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And the answer to that was obviously no, because they'd rejected Jesus Christ as their saviour, so the kingdom was yet to come. So we see that God's choice of the nation of Israel was the fulfilment of the promise given to Abraham that from the seed of Abraham, through Isaac and Jacob, God would bless the nations of the earth, that God would provide a saviour. So from the book of Exodus all the way through to the end of the Old Testament and leading us into the Gospels where Israel as a nation formally, officially rejects Jesus Christ as their promised Messiah. And as a result, Israel is set aside for a season and God makes room and God introduces the New Testament church. Note there in Romans chapter 11, please. Romans chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. So this dispensation that focuses upon the the development and the history of the nation of Israel, the nation through which the Messiah uh, would come or has come, uh, has, has been brought to an abrupt halt with the rejection of Christ. But God is not finished with Israel. God will still work within the nation of Israel. God will complete his work within the nation of Israel. And here in Romans chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, this is a reminder of that fact. It reads then, verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? Has God rejected Israel? God forbid. No way, man. No way. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people which he full knew. So here we have a clear affirmation that God isn't finished with Israel. That's why we need to take an interest in what's taking place in Israel. Are you listening to me? That's why we need to take an interest in what is taking place in Israel. There is the thermometer of God's workings. Exactly what's taking place in Israel. So you and I should be interested and be mindful that from a biblical perspective, God has shelved Israel for a season. But God will come back to Israel and God will complete his workings within the nation of Israel. And in this 
intermediate time, we are within this dispensation known, for a better word, as the church age. And this takes us from the book of Acts until the book of Revelation. This is the next main dispensation from the book of Acts all the way through to the book of Revelation. Note there in Acts chapter 1, please. Acts chapter 1. In verses 9 to 11, we read of the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 12, it reads of Acts 1, Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet. And then note there in verse 14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Then in verse number 15, we are told there is an assembly here of some 120 individuals in prayer. Now, with Israel set aside because of her unbelief, our Lord Jesus brought into existence the church what we refer to as the New Testament church. The church is only in the New Testament. Okay, the Old Testament is about Israel. So we refer to the New Testament church. And we note its origin there in Matthew chapter 16, please. Matthew chapter 16. That this new institution... This new uh, uh, creation known as the New Testament church has its basis in Jesus Christ. Note there in Matthew chapter 16 verses 15 to 18 it reads, And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, little pebble, and upon this rock, boulder, in reference to his confession of Jesus Christ as Saviour, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this New Testament church will be made up of individuals, men, women and children that confess Jesus Christ 
as personal saviour. God still has a plan for the nation of Israel, the physical nation of Israel. The church is a spiritual entity. The church is not a building. The church is a living organ made up of redeemed individuals, made up of individuals like Simon Peter of old that have confessed Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. They become a part of the New Testament church. And from the time of Christ until the rapture of the church, God is building his bride. And we are doing our part in fulfilling the Great Commission and trying to encourage men, women and children to receive Jesus Christ as their own personal saviour. And every redeemed individual that has placed their faith in Christ from the time of Christ to the rapture will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and then the bride of Christ will be complete. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And will be married once and for all and ever be with our blessed bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find from the book of Acts, the infant church has its origins there in the gospel, this transitional period of Israel rejecting Jesus Christ as Saviour. And Jesus Christ brings into existence a new entity that he chooses to work through, the New Testament church made up of individuals. It's wonderful to visit beautiful old church buildings, isn't it? And uh, many of these old buildings uh, were built with purpose. They were built to reflect the glory of God. But the downside is that you can mistake the glory and majesty of God with a building and not in the person of Jesus Christ. That's the downside to it. And you and I that know Jesus Christ as Saviour, we, we will make up the bride of Christ and the current dispensation that we are in is known as the church age where God is no longer using Israel. They've been shelved for a season and God is using the New Testament church. Israel and the church are distinctively different in nature and in purpose. It's so important that we bear that in mind. Israel has its origins in the the Old Testament. The New Testament church has its origins in the New Testament. They are distinctively different in nature and in purpose. And as we've seen, the infancy of the church is seen in the Gospels where Jesus said, I will build my church and that original nucleus was the Lord Jesus and his disciples. That infant 
church. And, we, and as we read in the early pages of the book of Acts, we see an assembly of 120 people assembled. God's people pay, praying for power. As Jesus said, remain in Jerusalem until you be endured with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what they did. And as we read on in the book of Acts, note there in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We read of there in chapter 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all one accord in one place. And we read on in verse number 14 how Peter stood up and preached with great power, preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God heard the cry of that group of believers that prayed there in the upper room there in Acts chapter 1. God heard their cry and as a result, Peter preached with great power on the day of Pentecost. And as a result, we read there in chapter 2, verse 41, that 3,000 souls were saved and baptized. 3,000 Jews were saved and baptized. That's a miracle beyond miracle. For one Jew to get saved and be baptized, that's a miracle. But 3,000 at one time, that's, that's the anointing of God. That's the power of God. So we see within the book of Acts, men of God, full of the Spirit, preaching the Word of God, and as a result, men, women, and children receive the gospel. Note there in Acts chapter 5, please. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Concerning the, the apostles, the Bible reads in Acts 5, 42, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. So we see within the book of Acts, from Acts chapter 1 to Acts chapter 9, a focus upon winning Jewish people to Jesus Christ. And then from Acts chapter 10 onwards we read of the gospel going to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. That includes you and I. So we see from the book of Acts all the way through to Revelation. Note then Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 gives us a wonderful picture of the conclusion of the church age. Here in Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, it reads, After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither. There's the rapture right there. Come up hither. Chapter 3 ends with 
the message to the church of Laodicea. So we read of the church in Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3. And here in chapter 4, verse 1, God said to John, come up hither. A wonderful illustration of the rapture. And I will show thee things which must be hereafter. At the exclusion of the church, the church is no longer on earth. You and I that have received Jesus Christ as Saviour, we will be raptured at a point in time. And that point of departure from the earth will bring to a close what we refer to as the church age or the dispensation of the church age. And once the church is removed from the earth, God will begin the last but not least 70th week of Daniel, a seven-year period of judgment upon the earth. In chapter 4 of Revelation, the scene is in heaven. In chapter 5, the scene is in heaven. Then from chapter 6 onwards, it graphically describes what will take place upon the earth. But note the hope that we have in Jesus Christ according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, please. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In verse number 9. If we were to go back into chapter 4, Verse number 17, it reads, Then we which are alive and remain, remain when, till when, the coming of Christ, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. Come up hither. See? To meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So that's the, the background. And then we go into chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and it reads very clearly, For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's pretty straightforward. Okay. So we read in the book of Revelation of the churches of Asia, chapters 2 and 3. But in chapter 4, verse 1, God said to the Apostle John, come up hither, the removal of the church from the earth, and then God begins that 70th week of Daniel, where God will complete his workings with the nation of Israel. And by the grace of God, as a result of the tribulation period, the nation of Israel will be saved. See, God's not finished with Israel. Note there in Romans chapter 11 once again. (laughs) 
Romans 9, 10 and 11 give us a, uh, an overview of God's dealings with Israel. Past, present, future. Here in Romans chapter 11, verse 26, it reads, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. So here within Romans, the Apostle Paul is spelling out the certainty that God still has a plan for Israel. And Israel will be saved during the tribulation period. That's what it will take to get their attention. Because the average Jew today, especially in Israel, is blinded and and hardened in heart. Yes, there are individual Jewish people that are being converted today. But there will come a time in which the whole nation will be saved. But it's going to take the wrath of God, the outpouring of the wrath of God upon the world, upon Israel. That's why in the Old Testament, one of the prophets referred to the tribulation as a time of Jacob's trouble. And yes, Jacob's in big trouble. Jacob's in trouble. Judgment's coming. But praise God for his grace. Praise God for his goodness. That even though Israel is set aside, shelved, God isn't finished with Israel. And I'd like to just close by simply drawing the application that God is the God of the second chance. In fact, the third chance, (laughs) the fourth chance, the fifth chance. God is so gracious. God is so kind. When you stand back and you consider the outright rebellion and the outright disobedience and stubbornness and the depth of depravity that prevailed amongst the nation of Israel and yet God loves Israel the apple of his eye and God is still at work and God will still work it's a wonderful reminder to you and I, my friend, that we serve a gracious God. And I'd like to just challenge you this morning. Listen to me. This is the last day of 2023. Some of you have done next to nothing this year for God's glory. God is the God of the second chance. Tomorrow is a new year. Let's not abuse the grace of God. Some of you have done nothing this year that's worth mentioning for God's glory.
outside of warming a church pew on Sunday morning. But God is gracious and God is loving and God is the God of the second chance. And just like God will once again use Israel, I'll be saved and God will use Israel as a, a, an arm of evangelism and as a result others will be converted during the tribulation period in the same way God wants to use you. So if you're feeling like at the end of this year, if you're feeling like a little bit of a failure, feeling like, Lord, I've really done nothing that's worth mentioning for your glory during the course of this year, well, let me remind you, 2024 is just around the corner. Tomorrow, God's the God of the second chance. I'd like to encourage you. Give your life to the Lord. See, Jesus Christ is central to the Scriptures. He's at the heart of each dispensation. This evening we'll conclude with the final dispensation before we move into the eternal realm. Jesus Christ desires to be central at the centre of your life and my life. I'd like to encourage you, my friend, on this final day of 2023 to open up your heart and say, Lord, the new year is fast approaching. It begins tomorrow. Here I am. Take me, use me for your glory. God is the God of the second chance.